Today on the Topping Show, Disney sues Ron DeSantis, J.P. Morgan buys First Republic, Bud Light ad bombs yet again, Quick Trip opens its thousandth store, those with good credit will now pay for those with bad credit, the Indiana Bar now backtracks and will let those who disagree with Bud Light back into their facilities, Super Mario Brothers smashes the $1 billion mark at the box office, American Airlines may have a pilot strike, GM performs more layoffs, and New York Mayor says you should use Apple AirTags in order to combat Garth theft. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you for tuning in today. Today's episode of the Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added research and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see the founder at least twice a day. Have to say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me. That's a joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, use a little assistance. You can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, jumping into the business part of the podcast, we have some good news. Gas station convenience store Quick Trip announced that they're going to be opening their thousandth location. Quick Trip is a convenience station founded over on September 25th, 1958 in Tulsa, Oklahoma by Burt Holmes and Chester Cadoaks, or Cadoaks, C-A-D-I-E-U-X. My pronunciation leaves some to be desired. Now, the store is now spread across 17 states, and the 1,000 store will be located in Texas City. Another fun little business fact, the 900 store was based in Dallas-Fort Worth. Now, I must say, it is one of the best gas stations you can possibly go to. Perhaps one of the weird things I particularly look for is the darn wiper blades when you're actually using the little freebies when you go to the gas station and they have that little cre- not crevice, they have that little container on the wall at every gas station where you can go use a little squeegee there. And I don't know why this is such a foreign concept to a convenience store or gas station. Why have one of those where that little wiper blade is as stiff as a credit card, making it utterly useless? And you try to scrape the window and it leaves half the water on. It's utterly useless. And that's not a, it's not an insignificant reason of why I choose Quick Trip when I have to refuel my car. It's partially because that just makes it so much easier because that wiper blade is actually flexible. The most seemingly small thing in business might cost them $1.50 extra to have a good quality wiper on each of those sites. I can't be the only one that values that. Let me know in the comments. There's got to be someone else who actually wants to clean their vehicle every time they refuel. They also have clean facilities. And of course, with all the convenience stores, you have to really put an emphasis on that because Again, a majority of the profit is gonna be in the concession items, all the foods, beverages, drinks, tobacco products, and all those types of things as well. They only make a little bit of money off the actual gasoline. The real winners in the gasoline are the actual sales tax for the state, as well as the federal taxes on on those. And of course, the gasoline manufacturers and all those folks themselves. The convenience stores, one of the reasons Bucky's is so overwhelmingly popular is the customer experience. They have almost like a mini mall of food and beverages inside. Now, the downside to that, and the reason Quick Trip is beating them in terms of number of stores, is Quick Trips are a lot smaller. The footprint needed for those stores much, much, much smaller. But it's always a great, clean facility, and there's not a high percentage risk that you're going to get stabbed, which, when it comes to the competitors, especially one that's shaped like a shell, shell, it's much, much cleaner. I'll never forget, I think I was forced in terms of Last road trip, there was another gas station for 60 miles. And I made the issue of, or rather made the imprudent mistake of trying to make a distance trip going the least amount of gas stations. And 
didn't account for that. So it was, it was a dark day. It's a very dark day. If I had to go inside that Shell gas station, I was brave. Uh, I, don't, I, use, I don't use that term lightly, but for some reason, those gas stations just have a, a staple of the stores is they have a quarter inch of dust on every drink. You'll see like a bunch of dust on every bottle of beverages they have in there. On the flip side, Quick Trips are always clean, safe, and more often than not, they actually have the drinks you want in stock. So big achievement. Congrats to Quick Trip as a huge milestone to pass his business with a thousand locations and given the way they treat their employees, the way they treat their clients, I think it's going to keep growing and growing and growing. Now, other interesting business news, a little bit more sad, although most people saw this coming. First Republic, another California bank, went belly up. They lost, their stock went by, I think it was a 40-50% drop last week because last Monday they lost hundreds of billions of dollars in deposits because all the consumers were scared since Silicon Valley Bank went belly up. Well, what's a safe place that we can put our money? And many people, when they think of that, they look at financial institutions that have been the longest, been in business the longest, as well as have government contracts and relationships where there's a lifeline, so to say. And JP Morgan, most people, most people will know them as Chase. And it's a agglomination has had several consolidations or several acquisitions that brought the company together but they're a very diverse company in terms of their portfolio, the offerings, as well as geographically, they have sites like Starbucks, very convenient. So it wasn't too surprising that First Republic went belly up with FDIC jumping in. Folks were bailed out yet again. So if you did have above the FDIC insured amount of $250,000, great problem to have, I wish I had that. The government stepped in and they assured you that they're actually gonna cut you a check. So JP Morgan, really business decision. I believe they bid up against PNC, another competitive bank, but they got to buy basically the good parts of First Republic. And again, this goes back to the theory a lot of folks are concerned. Would another big bank going bust? Would that cause the ripple effect on an already extremely delicate, fragile, and crippling economy with 40-year inflation, more and more jobs being displaced, housing market in disarray, and there's a lot of uncertainty, which is what businesses, investors, and consumers are all fearing, which we're getting ahead of the politics, but in terms of political figures, all you need to do is quite, quite simple, bring stability to the fiscal market, because that will make everyone happy and investments will increase. If you can make stability happen, that's when businesses thrive. That's when investors, consumers are all happy. So whoever can bring that, I don't know who can or how, but if I was a political analyst or if I was a paid consultant, I'd say do that. Now, other interesting business news, it's one of those things where another uncertainty, American Airlines, their pilots are striking to go or voting to go on a strike. Very concerning. Again, not get into the stock market of American Airlines are still positive in terms of their up past couple of days. And the American Pilots Association is the particular union for that industry. I believe they have about 15,000 pilots. And they one article says 15,000 American Airlines pilots, which is an astonishing high amount, I would think. I looked on LinkedIn, they have about 55,000 employees with LinkedIn pages linked to their profile as of today. And that's a great number of pilots. And one of the issues with pilots and the unions where anecdotally, I had some friends throughout high school and college who their desire was to be a commercial airline pilot. But one of the issues was, is prohibitively hard to get in, the, not a gang, the organization, the union, where the union contracts highly, highly, highly value a limited supply. They're for increasing their value. And it's also based on tenure. So it's one of those things where once you get in, you're basically set for life. 
But a lot of my friends struggled, like how do they get their foot first in the door? How do they get those hours of flight to get all the certifications? And it's another very concerning thing. If you look at any aviation related documentary, whether it's Pam, Pam Am or look at any of the ones throughout history, there are only two reasons airlines go bankrupt. Very, very simple. Only two major reasons that consistently come up in their bankruptcies. You have one fuel cost, which of course, that is a big worldwide geopolitical thing that is some, out of the airline's control, but it has a huge effect on business because consumers are price sensitive. You raise the price because the cost of fuel goes up too much, you're gonna lose out on tickets because less people can afford it. The other major re reason they go bankrupt and one that you can control better is unions. Those are the two biggest reasons. Watch any airline documentary. Now, American Airlines is such a large company and they have government contracts. They have a incumbency in terms of a lot of those contracts are locked in for years. I don't suspect this will put them out of business, but it is a stressed industry. You have tech, technical difficulties crippling other airlines and it's very, very frustrating situation for consumers because it's going to increase the cost. And of course you've got flights being delayed left and right. Time shall tell if this becomes a business blunder of the day. There's something much, much, there's a bigger blunder. Don't worry about it. That'll be brought up in a couple minutes. Now, other sad, interesting businesses, GM announced they're going to have more layoffs. Now, interesting enough, these are going to be in the engineering department for future vehicles, which is quite concerning about the long-term vision of GM. They did notice that, note that many of these are contractors, but it is one of those things where one of my mentors did tell me back in the day, the safest bet in most companies in terms of job stability is going to be sales. Once they start laying off folks in sales, the company's going away. And you look at any documentary, you look at Circuit City, one of the telltale signs of one of the pivotal moments when the company starts to go down is when they switch their sales reps from commission to salary, therefore de-incentivize them to go above and beyond and provide more sales and upsell, which are all good things fiscally for the company. As soon as they got that away, all of the great sales reps left to other jobs that will incentivize them for the performance. And that was one of the few nails in the coffin that really did in Circuit City back in the day. Also, fun little, I guess this is an effect, maybe ask, if anyone knows of a Circuit City sign for sale or someone who might be open to selling it, let me know in the comment section or send me a message via email because I've been looking for a Circuit City sign to put behind me. If you're only listening to the podcast, I have a bunch of vintage business signs behind me as display pieces. Try one, find one for Circuit City for years and I, that'd be really cool, I think. I don't know where I'd fit it, but I'd, I'd make it work. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, and this is fantastic news in terms of, you don't need politics for something to be successful, and this is perhaps the best. Super Mario Brothers, the movie, just surpassed $1 billion in global sales. And in the beginning, when it first debuted, you had losers, I mean, former, uh, former actors, uh, I guess current actor, John Leguizamos. John Leguizamos? He's a supporting actor who was in the first Super Mario movie that failed miserably, at least physically. They lost a lot of money on that movie. And he was complaining that there weren't enough Latin characters in the movie. And ironically, he was talking about cultural appropriation when he, who he says he's a Latinx, which is BS. No one, my family doesn't use that term. I don't know any true Latino families that use that made up term, but he was saying that it was cultural appropriation. Ironically, he's Hispanic and he was, I believe, Luigi in that live action adaptation. So he was taking a Italian role because he, but it's one of those things where there's a lot of hypocrisy in Hollywood. Nevertheless, 
he said this movie was going to fail because it didn't have him or someone like him in it. It just passed a billion in global sales. So it's 1.02 billion in less than a month of release. Exceptionally phenomenal. The studio estimates a fiscal breakdown is about $490 million in U.S. box office and $532 million in international box office making it also the most successful movie adaptation in history and the highest grossing film of 2023. Both incredible achievements that not a lot of people saw it coming because you, you've had movie adaptations before. I think the previous record was really popular. What's that game everyone plays where they plug in and they take over a character's role with the wizards and the dwarves? World of Warcraft, that's the one. It was so popular it got a South Park parody adaptation. I believe that was a couple of maybe $400 million box office, give or take. But previously, that was one of the most, most popular movies in terms of adaptation. And it was great in terms of Super Mario Brothers. There's nothing being pushed on you ideologically or politically. It's a good example of something can be bipartisan or unpolitical and be phenomenally successful. I think more businesses should know, especially beverage businesses, where you make a beverage that is designed for anyone to drink, or at least over 21, don't get involved in politics and you reach the widest possible market. But many of those companies are choosing to not do that approach and send focus on a narrow market for reasons. But nevertheless, a great achievement for the folks over at the Super Mario Brothers movie. Now, other interesting cultural news, talking about shooting themselves in the foot, the bar in Indiana is now backtracking from their ban with the critics of Dylan Mulvaney. Now, the Fairfax Bar and Grill in Bloomingdale last week, they noted that if you do not agree with Bud Light's recent endorsement with Dylan Mulvaney, you are not welcome in the bar. So ironically, they said, oh yeah, we want to have a discussion, but if you disagree with us, you're not allowed in. Which means you're not open for discussion. You don't, and again, most bars aren't built for intellectual long depth conversations in terms of philosophical debates. Uh, famously, there's a lot of theories on the origin of the coffee shop. If you go back to Socrates, go back hundreds of years, a lot of folks are attributing some of the philosophical debates and the growing of countries by the getting together of coffees and teas and people would have debates over those. So that might be more realistically where those conversations are happening, but this bar basically said, you're not welcome. And then, I don't know if it's ironic or hilarious or, it's one of those things where if you, if you insult, on average, half your audience, your sales are probably gonna go down. And of course, the bar sales tanked dramatically. And now they claim that, quote unquote, different opinions are welcome, unquote. And I should have rolled my, I should have rolled my eyes in addition to doing the quote marks because it's clearly BS. They do not want your opinion. Last week, they told you to shut up and leave. So we don't believe them because they're just being charlatans, two-faced, inauthentic, whatever whatever term in the thesaurus suits you best. We don't believe them. Now, they also broke it down even more. The owner said, quote, what I really want to convey is just be respectful. Different opinions are welcome here as long as they're delivered respectfully, unquote. Owner McLean Minefield, Minifield? That's ironic, close to Minefield, he stepped into Minefield, or rather he set it up, then proceeded to step it in and of himself. And he also claims, quote, we do not and will not censor opinions again, but we do require civility in this establishment, unquote. And this is also another issue where you don't see a lot of 
physical violence over this issue. A lot of people are concerned, especially with the fact that Dylan Mulvaney is a very viral, in terms of popular TikTok trans activist, and Dylan's main audience is children. The average user on TikTok is estimated to be 20 years old, and Dylan's audience is estimated to be 15 years old. So I think that's the main concern when I talk to people on the right and people in the middle is the targeting towards the child audience where there's no legitimate reason a beard company should be sponsoring someone who appeals to preteens. I guess 15 is teen. Nevertheless, it just it, it just doesn't mix. It just it doesn't make business or moral sense to advertise a alcohol product towards a media method that goes towards that audience that cannot legally buy a product and should not morally drink your product. There's a lot of debate on should parents be able to give their kids alcohol and measure, or, but that's a debate in and of itself. But I don't think it's certainly appropriate for a business to advocate or at market towards that audience in that way. And there's even laws about that. You can't have a Bud Light advertisement in, what do kids watch these days? Whatever kids watch these days on the TV or more accurately the internet. Nevertheless, time shall tell, but yeah, in terms of the cultural phenomenon, that bar shot itself in the foot. And I don't see it increasing its sales or getting those customers back when they so clearly insulted them. So time shall tell what, what happens to that bar. Now, going on to the specific politics part of the podcast, Disney is suing Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, which, again, Bob, the CEO of Disney, purported to come back to the company. So he's CEO, he was let go, or he went away. Then he came back more recently as the CEO again, and he said when he first got back to Disney, he wanted them to get out of politics, which no one believed, but everyone, many people agreed, including myself. I didn't believe them, especially when you look at the advocates that work there. They're really, they're very politically biased, and they even have videos calling, calling the things they call out. And then they're actually going to sue the state of Florida, which... Again, they inserted themselves, they made the cognitive decision to go against the Florida governor with the cliche, don't say gay bill, which is a terrible name, but if you read the actual bill, which no one does, but if you read the bill, it does not say that word once in the bill. All the bill says is, I believe it's up to third grade, you can't talk about sexual themes, straight, gay, whatever orientation you're not supposed to bring up those topics, broach those topics, or discuss those topics with children. And I think it's just, it's disgusting that there's some teachers that were actually revolting, saying if they can't do that, they want to teach. I don't know how perverted or morally vacuous you are, but there, is such, there used to be such a thing as age appropriateness, which is something as you get older, I, I should say everyone, intelligent people appreciate more and more. It's something you don't understand as a kid as your parents are trying to protect you from some of the most morally vacuous objects and content in history. But as you get older, you certainly appreciate it more and more. As a child, I didn't understand why my parents didn't want me to play an M-rated video game. Famously, I believe it was Grand Theft Auto 3 was a big physical, in terms of dollar amount, it was a big physical and cultural hit. It was the one that transitioned for, from a 2D overview to 3D perspective and famously made by Rockstar Studios or Rockstar Games, a lot of my friends were playing it and it was very popular at school. And I remember I actually did a slideshow presentation, or no, that's for Vice City. I've campaigned multiple times with my parents. I had a slideshow presentation complete with a little actual YouTube clip 
or some video clip showing the preview. Maybe even on the demo CD you used to get when you had PS2 catalogs. Nevertheless, as a kid, I didn't understand why my parents would not give me access to that content. And I believe I was 13 or something at the time. But as you get older, you start to realize there's a lot of bad things in the game that are not age appropriate, which goes back to this bill. So the bill, again, was not against any or advocate for any sexual orientation. But Disney came in and they said, we don't agree with this. So we're going to campaign against it. We're going to put resources behind it. We're going to threaten to leave your state. Time shall tell if it's actually a real threat, given the amount of infrastructure required to build a park, as well as the location is key, since they have two locations for Disney, both on opposite sides of the United States. If I was a gambling man, I'd say maybe go in Texas, since the exponential growth of Dallas-Fort Worth is unprecedented with every business moving here, but that might help middle America to actually see a Disney there, but they're very convenient for many of the people going for destination vacations. And now Disney is suing Ron on the ground that he waged a quote, relentless campaign to weaponize the government power, unquote, against the company. Now the federal lawsuit suit alleges that DeSantis quote, orchestrated at every step, a campaign to punish Disney and now threatens the company's business. Now, this is coming from Ron DeSantis. He targeted a special tax district that has allowed Disney to basically self-govern itself and its forward operations since the 60s. It's basically a private carve-out city for them. Now, it's one of those situations where the government gave it to you. You probably shouldn't insult the hand or bite the hand that feeds is a famous metaphor. And they gave you this ridiculously fiscal and governing gift. I mean, they were saving so much money when it comes to all the taxes, which I do understand there is a benefit to having them there. It employs, it's one of the number one employers, depending on what you define that as, certainly in Orlando, specifically the city. It was one of the largest employers in the state of Florida. You also have tourism, people going there just for the actual Disneyland or Disney World, I forget which is which, but it is a benefit to both the government as well as the company to have that relationship where people go there, they spend money, supports the local economy. There's a sales tax most times. And Disney decided to get involved. So Ron said, hey, you're inserting yourself into our politics. We gave you this. We can take it away. Now, from the DeSantis party, they say, quote, we are unaware of any legal right that a company has to operate its own government or maintain special privileges not held by other businesses in the state. Unquote. This is from a DeSantis communication director, Taryn Fenske, during a statement to CNBC. And I tend to agree with that. Again, if you're a stockholder of Disney, how pissed should you be that they're rocking the boat with an immeasurable amount of tax benefits? I don't know if we're talking millions or billions of dollars. It's not a zero dollar amount. It's not just the taxes, but it's also the governments, the governance, the over the oversight. All things that slow businesses down, they don't accelerate businesses, they don't make it easier to run a business. And a lot of states, they also have exemptions for liability, so it limits how much you could sue them for. This is famously utilized by a lot of these amusement parks throughout the United States where they'll have special agreements with specific cities to limit, to li limit the liabilities, so that way you can't have one instance and the person sues for the whole park, which given how fast and Given those rides, it's not a 0% risk that bad things happen. They, they certainly do. And again, Disney just keeps putting itself more and more into politics when the CEO said he wouldn't. And they're just further pushing people apart and bifurcating their audience. 
they're alienating more and more of their audience. They're not bringing it together and making a product that everyone could enjoy. Quite the opposite, they're creating their own competition as companies like The Daily Wire, which is a conservative news company out of Tennessee, they partially because of Disney, I would say mainly because of Disney, Disney, The Daily Wire said they're going to invest about $100 million in kids' content to combat Disney's messaging. So you're creating your own competition, which is all too famous in business. Look at Lamborghini and Ferrari. Lamborghini used to be a Italian tractor manufacturer, saved us money, got Ferrari. He said it kind of sucked. It comes, he called Ferrari, said there's some issues with it. Ferrari said, you should just be happy to afford our product. And famously, Lamborghini made his own supercars and now part of the Volkswagen group, but certainly one of the most memorable sports cars in history, all because of a rivalry and creating your own competition. And someday, Lamborghini will make it in a stick shift again, as intended. Again, Lamborghini, Lamborghini LP640, the stick shift, there's a reason it's three to four times the value as an automatic. But I digress. Now, other interesting political news, which is going to also hurt the housing market, and yet another reason why if you own a business or really politics affects everything. This is a great case in point. Now, as of May 1st, new rules from the Federal Housing Finance Agency said that borrowers with lower credit and less money down for payment will qualify for better mortgage rates than those with higher credit ratings and pay increased rates. So now those with good credit will have to pay for those with bad credit. So imagine being a responsible adult and paying your bills ahead of schedule, making sacrifices, not going out and bawling at the bars as a, as a youth might say. And I understand bad credit can be an issue of unknown medical things that happen. It's not always in your control. I understand that. But more often than not, a lot of people with good credit just work like hell, make sacrifices. And I always tell people, if you have student loans, you should continue to live like a student as you are repaying them back because you took out an oblig you took out a loan, you have an obligation responsibility to pay a loan back and just work like hell and you'll have good credit and this credit will give you a better life in terms of good credit will access you to lower interest rates traditionally. But now they're basically saying if you're responsible, you have to pay for the people who are not responsible, which is a continuing trend in the United States, which is disgusting and I found abhorrent. And there's a recent analysis from Bankrate, and they say that those with below, quote, quote, below average credit with a score of 640 seeking a $350,000 mortgage with 20% down paid 10,500 in fees before the new regulations. After regulations, they will now pay $7,845. Now, same scenario, someone with 740 credit score exploring the same deal, they previously paid 1,750 in fees before the FHFA's new rules, now expected to pay $3,062. You might think something isn't adding up. Of course it doesn't add up, it's not supposed to, it's unfair. You're literally making, going back to the housing crisis, this is creating a situation where you're incentivizing people to make bad decisions with the core credit. And statistically speaking, one of the reasons you have bad credit is because you don't pay the bills, therefore you are at higher risk of being unable to facilitate those promises, those duties. And I don't know if this, this might get to the point where you have the repeat of the 2008 housing crisis where the government said, hey, we like the idea of everyone should be able to own a house. Great idea on paper. A lot of things are great on paper, but in practice that meant basically giving it to people who did not have a job or a credit history to support getting a house, but they gave it to them anyway. And famously, that 
imploded and completely destroyed the U.S. economy. Again, this is also when we're having a 40-year high record inflation, and we're choosing to do this with the housing market. Now, perhaps this is a, if we go, if we go and create a new category like political blunder of the day, this certainly is one of them. Now, other last political note, you have New York Mayor Eric Adams, who's the Democratic mayor in New York, who they elected in a landslide. They want him. They elected him in a landslide. He won 67% of the vote in 2021. He won 753,000 votes versus the 312,000 votes cast for the Republican. So New York is getting exactly what they want. And his latest idea for combating the epidemic of the wave of crime is using Apple AirTags to combat the slew of all of these car thefts. Now, in the South Bronx alone, they have recorded 207 car thefts this year already. And I don't see it getting better anytime soon, especially if you're just doing gimmicks like this. Now, I say it's a gimmick because it's not, it's a band-aid and it's not a long-term solution and also it's not gonna work. Now, these 500, the good news is that the taxpayer, I guess, didn't direct, directly pay for this. The 500 Air, Apple AirTags that are gonna be used are gonna be donated by the Association for a Better New York. One would think that would that, so, that actual association would do something to fix the state, like maybe elect someone else, maybe make some more business-friendly laws or campaign, put some money in those areas, make it so they attract businesses to move there, as opposed to move away in droves, as well as people moving away in droves. But even if, let's say you do this idea, let's say you use the Apple AirTag, your car is found 10 miles away. Let's say best case scenario, your car's in one piece. It won't be. But let's say best case scenario, it's in one piece and you get it back. Let's say you even catch the criminal in the act. It's not going to matter because the district attorneys do not actually prosecute them. They'll downgrade the charge and they'll just let them right back on the streets again. It's one of those things where it sounds like you're fixing it, but you're not. You're just delaying the inevitable. So if you really want to change the situations in these cities, you need to hire district attorneys that are going to prosecute and instead of pleading down these sentences, hold the line or whatever metaphor you want, but stop incentivizing that behavior. Unfortunately, I don't see it changing anytime soon, just given the historics when you look at the district attorneys, the crime rates, and their vast habits and their ideologies. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to change, but it's interesting that this is their idea. Instead of making the, instead of you know hiring more police or cracking down on crime or prosecuting crime to the full extent of the law, Let's just, you know, take a little air, air tag and throw it in the vehicle. Interesting. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day. And at the end of the year, let me know in the comments if you think this would be an interesting idea. Maybe the business blunder of the year. Spoiler it's Bud Light thus far. Now, Bud Light came out with a commercial. Everyone knows they had a controversy where they, dealt, they decided to partner with a spokesperson, Dylan Mulvaney, who's a trans activist on TikTok. Famously has 11 million followers, and the average audience member, many speculate, is about 15 years old following Dylan. And Bud Light thought it'd be a brilliant idea to give Dylan a custom Bud Light can, or I guess bottle, aluminum bottle, whatever you call a bloody thing, commemorating Dylan's, celebrating Dylan's 365 days of womanhood, where every day Dylan puts out a video and celebrates it. Doing a lot of people, a lot of women actually say it's cliched and sexist the things that Dylan was doing. It certainly looks like it when you're prancing through the woods 
on high heels, which Dylan claims women do. And I did a survey, anecdotally, anecdotally speaking, none of the women I know in my life have ever done that. In fact, I don't know a human, I don't know anyone who's done that. High heel prancing in the woods. Perhaps as a trailblazer. But uh, safety alone, you know, the heels digging to the ground, it doesn't seem safe or prudent. As well as on those fashionable when you get mud on it, but mud on a shoe, but nevertheless, Bud Light decided to make that business decision and it quickly imploded and bifurcated their audience. People in the now, this is a topic that because it's appealing or the target audience of the person they chose, especially for children, I would think more people would be concerned about this choice. However, it's quickly disintegrated to a head-butting partisan lines, not really a co cohesive or interesting discussion. It's become a political topic. Now, Bud Light has gone media silence, basically like a like a groundhog or a mole. I forget what's the thing there. Yeah, a groundhog. It is a groundhog. They pop their head up to see if it's summer or something like that. Bud Light is basically like a groundhog, although some might say a groundhog is more intelligent, fairly said. Every two weeks they seem to pop up to do something on social media, and they're quickly mocked beyond all belief. It'd be more hilarious if someone threw... So that'd be a funny YouTube video. Someone make that where it's a groundhog popping up, and someone throws a yinglings or a competitive beer at the groundhog, and it just knocks it out. That, it'd be a puppet. I do not advocate violence against animals in any way perhaps a puppet groundhog that again I'm just filled with these billion ideas but free idea to someone who wants to make some comic relief but they pop their head up yet again with another marketing video which again because of their previous decisions with the CEO with that bland statement that wasn't an apology that pissed off people on the left and the right it just appeared again inauthentic and as the kids would say it got ratioed beyond all belief now let's bring it up and of course it's only 30 seconds and I do apologize it it is almost painful how inauthentic and how ridiculous this commercial is. But we'll suffer through it, suffer through it together, nevertheless. So this is Bud Light shower beer. Easy to drink. Well, water is easy to drink. That is that is a fact. I can't dispute the authenticity of that statement. I, But the whole thing is called Bud Light shower beer. Easy to drink to enjoy. Or easy to enjoy. I think they have an emoji in the title, oddly enough. Now, interestingly enough, they're opening the beverage. You don't see them drink it, which now in all their fairness, physically speaking, in terms of commercial, you probably have to pay hazard pay in order for someone to do like Tom Cruise like stunts or drink Bud Light. So they don't actually drink the beer. They just open the beer and it is a popular country song. It's Zach Brown, Chicken Fried, which is a good song, but again, it's inauthentic now I also want to take a moment to thank everyone for liking my videos it really helps us out in the algorithm and more people get to see it and more people get to see it like subscribe the better bigger and better we can make the channel and the content I bring that up now because the last video we made a couple weeks back 
we got a couple hundred views, or no, sorry, we got a couple hundred likes, which is great for the video. And you think of the ratio of how many people watched versus liked, we did a great job and I thank you for that. In this case, the Bud Light, it's comically hilarious how inept and terrible they did. So 11 and, or no, 10,472,000 people subject themselves to watch this video. Martyrs, to say the least. So about 10.5 million people watched the video. 295 have liked it. Not 295,000, which if you look at an average video with that many views, would make more sense. No, 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 no. 295, actually. So 295 liked the video. That's how many thumbs up there were out of 10.5 million. That's almost impossibly bad. That's actually astonishingly incredible how how big of a business blunder this situation has become for them they're losing sales they're bleeding money they're losing sales and no matter what they do marketing wise they're getting obliterated and hats off to the people on the right conservatives for once boycott is a boycott is working traditionally they fizzle out they don't get organized for once they're actually having a fiscal impact and cultural impact which is unprecedented which traditionally if you look at politics that's where the left wins in spades. So it's just astonishing. 292 likes. Now, YouTube did hide the little dislike button, mainly because of politics. People were ratioing CNN and the White House so ridiculously. It was hilarious how inept those two entities were looking in terms of the views versus the likes versus the downvotes. It's like 85% of people downvoting the White House a couple years ago. It was astonishing, not surprising, but hilarious to many people. So YouTube decided to cover that publicly facing, claiming that they, they don't want to have content creators, they can't hurt their feelings, it's bad for mental health. Which is a BS excuse because anyone who makes a YouTube video, they use the YouTube studio and the backend logistics. And right now it shows me the likes versus dislikes. It shows me that ratio. So doing that didn't protect their feelings in any way. I guess less people publicly can see it, but it's clearly just a way to help bolster traditional media and government to make them look better. And there are a couple of plugins you can use with these. So according to a YouTube plugin, where it analyzed how many people disliked the video. Now that plugin is noting that they had 14,000 downvotes. So the data we have right now, to the best of our abilities, they have 200, opposite, yeah, so I wrote this a couple hours ago, 292 likes, brought to 295, big improvement. And 14,000 people downvoted it. Now, I'm not an accountant or a CPA or a mathematician, but that's terrible. That is the biggest, biggest, biggest blunder I've ever seen. Now, Bud Light is also, because of this situation, they're going to lobbyist. So you're going to, walk, you're going to Capitol Hill, talking to, the, talking to lobbyists, to talk to supposedly Republican leaders to try to tap them on the shoulder to maybe get some assistance. Now, this business blunder has not only alienated people on the right, but because they're not standing with Dylan Mulvaney, they have pissed off the left. So this is a campaign that now pissed off everyone and people, people in the middle also as well are offended and annoyed and confused because they just want to have a beard, a beer, somewhat a beard too, but it's one of those situations and now no one's happy with this. They've, they've single-handedly managed to piss off everyone, which is a unique talent usually reserved for certain politicians, I would say. But 
So now they're going to lobbyists to see if they can do it. If you're in government, if you're a government official right now, this stuff is so, this topic is so radioactive. I don't see anyone intelligently, now granted, this is a, I should perhaps disclaimer, I was about to say, no one in politics intelligently do this. Intelligence and politics usually don't mix more often than not, seemingly not. But if I was a, if I was a political leader, I wouldn't touch this, it's radioactive. You're gonna piss off the right, you're gonna piss off the left. There's no upside to getting involved in this situation. And uh, anecdotally speaking, I went to my grocery store last week and I used a little Sharpie. And I guess I am admit, admitting graffiti. I'm a rebel, some might say. And I put a dot on one of the cases of Bud Light. And about a week later, I went back to the same grocery store. And I thought, what are the odds that dot is still there and that case of Bud Light is still there? Lo and behold, it was still there. And in terms of a grocery store, for something to stay on the shelf that long is terrible. Especially, this is a consumable good. It's not like a durable item like a USB drive or a TV or maybe a t-shirt, which they don't expire, they're, they're seasonal for sure, but it's not a big deal if they, don't, if they aren't selling quickly. But with food especially, you have to sell, you have to move that stuff quickly. And for that, for the sales to keep crumbling and I wasn't too shocked to see that, but that just further solidifies that this is certainly that commercial and the whole situation. That commercial is just the business blunder of the day. Again, I can't thank everyone enough for liking, subscribing, commenting. Each one of those things really helps out the channel and together we're gonna grow the channel and the content better and better over time. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your coworkers, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe, fight the good fight.